Welcome to Whatever It Takes Radio, helping you do whatever it takes to succeed in marriage and in life. I'm your host, Paul Speed, and today I'm in the studio with my beautiful wife, Jenny. Hello, Jenny. Hey, honey. How are you feeling today? I'm feeling great. Good. It's great to be back with you as we continue um, the part two of a podcast on five steps to true forgiveness. I know last week you, I think you stressed a disclaimer, um, which I think is very, very important. And let's just talk about that a second because we don't want any of the listeners to jump into this podcast and begin to hear about uh, five things you need to do in order to forgive someone who's wronged you without getting the true basis. I mean, we Uh, I think it was three podcasts ago when we talked about what is true forgiveness. We spent a whole podcast on what is it not, which covered many of the myths, like it's not just releasing someone from the consequences of their sin. Um, It's not just forgetting that they've ever hurt you. So, and we talked about bitterness before that. So all of these things kind of go in line to build to where we are today. What would you say about kind of a disclaimer for people that are listening today? Well, my concern is that someone who's been hurt recently, like just found out that their husband has been committing adultery, will someone will pass this podcast on and they'll hear these steps and they'll think, you know, we're demanding forgiveness instantaneously and that you need to just forgive and move on. And that's not true. That's why it's really important for you to go back and listen to the previous podcast so you understand where we're coming from. We realize it takes time. And if you've just found out some very hurtful news recently, you know, you've got to walk through this process at your own pace. So please don't just jump in right now. Go back and listen to the previous podcast Uh, so that you get the whole scenario that we're building here. Mm, That's very good because forgiveness is so, so important. Well, we talked last week about um, the first two steps to true forgiveness. The first one being to humble yourself and to walk in humility, to choose humility. The second one we talked about was looking at your own sin. In other words, it's not focusing on someone else, but asking God to expose yourself to your own eyes. So, Jenny, what would you say? Let's jump right in with number three. What would you say the third step to true forgiveness is? The third step is getting the right perspective of others. We need to ask God to allow us to see the other person's life through their eyes in order that we might have compassion and empathy for them. We need to ask God to allow us to see their pain, their hurts, their woundedness. You know, the truth is wounded people wound. And so, Paul, when God really brought this to my life, it was when I was in my 20s. I was actually going through a biblical counseling school in Kona, Hawaii with Youth with a Mission. And I was really struggling with this concept of forgiveness. I had a a lot of pain towards my father and towards my mother. And so when I was there and I was trying to walk through this, one of the things that the Lord showed me was that I was never going to be able to truly forgive my mother and father for the hurts that they had brought in my life if I didn't stop and ask God to let me see them through his eyes and let me see their life through their eyes. And so, you know, my father never spoke to me. He never spoke to anyone, not my brother, sister's mom, no one. He was a man who suffered a lot of pain. He had ruptured disc in his back. He just would go to work, come home, sit in his lazy boy chair, watch television, smoke cigarettes, and drink coffee until time to go to bed. And so I always was uh, very hurt by that, and I would try to get him to be involved in my life. I would want him to talk to me, and he just wouldn't is the way that I saw it. And so... 
I was bitter about that. And then he died when I was 13 years old of lung cancer. And so then my mother, uh, who had been a godly woman, uh, most of my life, my father didn't go to church. He wasn't a Christian, although he did confess Christ the very last moments before he died, just a few weeks before his death. But my mother was a Christian, and she took me to church um, without him all my childhood growing up. And then when he died, though, when I was 13, my mother stopped going to church. And so she started taking a different path in her life. And there was a lot of hurts and wounds with her at that time where she was going out with men all the time and dating and and just was not home for me. I became a latchkey kid at 13, losing my father and then basically lost my mother at the same time. And so here I was in my 20s, really struggling with bitterness about that, that, you know. And um, as I was praying through this, going through biblical counseling school, and I got to this point that I needed to ask God to let me see my mother and father through his eyes and then their life through their eyes. One of the things that was interesting is when I was working through this with my father, I was sitting out praying, saying, God, help me to see my father the right way instead of the way that I see him now. And the Lord gave me this picture in my mind. I always laugh and say, you know, if you're a Baptist, you call it a picture. If you're charismatic, you call it a vision. (laughs) And so it was a picture (laughs) because I was a Baptist, right? And so anyway, I had this picture. And in this picture, I saw this little curly-haired, black black curly-haired little boy sitting on a playground. And he was sitting in the dirt, and he had drawn a circle with his finger in the, in the dirt, and he had marbles, and he was thumping these marbles. But sitting beside him was two crutches. And I had heard the story that my father was crippled for a long time during his childhood. He had fallen off of a porch when he was a little boy. The bones in his leg were not reset, and it did something to that leg, and uh, he that leg didn't grow. And so... He was eventually someone came by who saw him sitting outside in the front yard and knocked on my grandparents' door and said, would you allow us to take your son to Shriners? We've been driving by here and see him in his um, lameness. Mm -hmm. And so he was taken to Shriners. They operated on his leg, and he was able to walk after many years of being on crutches and not being able to walk. One leg was shorter than the other as a result, and my father always wore a platform shoe, one bigger than the other. And so... I knew the story about the crutches, but this I didn't know. This was just a random picture that came to my mind. As he's playing in the dirt, thumping those marbles, I saw two boys in my mind come up and grab his crutches, and they began to run off with them, and they threw them, like, I don't know, 50 yards away. And I saw this little boy yelling and screaming and saying, Stop, bring them back to me. Bring back my crutches. And in that moment, Paul, as a 20-something-year-old woman, in my prayer time, God spoke to me and said, that was your father. And so this man that I had been so bitter towards, I had been so angry towards, that because he wouldn't talk to me, he wasn't the father that I wanted, all of a sudden, in that moment, God allowed me to see his pain. Mm. And I began to think about what it would have been like to have been in a, to a little boy and to be crippled and to be all alone. You can't run and play with the other kids and then to have kids tease you and make fun of you. And so for the first time in my life, I had empathy and compassion for this man who had hurt me. It was a turning point for me, a major turning point for me to be able to release forgiveness towards him. 
Now, my father was dead, so I couldn't go to him and tell him any of these things. But I was able to pray and release forgiveness. And then when it came to my mother, you know, I, I, that actually happened years later where I was struggling one day about my mother and the, the things of how she, I felt like she just abandoned me when my, when my dad died and I became the latchkey kid and, you know, she moved me out of my home. It, my whole life at 13 was just turned upside down. And then the Lord said to me, it actually was just not too long ago, maybe within the last eight years where the Lord said to me, Jenny, imagine what it would have been like to have been your mother. You're 42 years old and your husband dies. You've never worked before. You've never provided for a family. You have a sixth grade education. You married this man when you were 15 years old and he was 10 years older than you. Imagine the fear that she had to have had because not only did she lose my father, but she lost her income, her way to provide. And so she's got a 13-year-old little girl that she now has to clothe, and we had no money. You know, we, weren't a, we were a poor family. And so she had to go back and get a GED to try to get a job, and then she got a minimum wage job. And so all of a sudden... Again, Paul, I began to see my mother's life through her eyes. I began to see God's perspective on my mother, a widow at 42 years old, no way to provide for a little girl. And then I began to understand why she did the things she did, why she began to date and go out with all these men, going to men, to man, to man, because she was operating out of fear. She was operating out of fear. And I was able to have compassion on her. So this whole whole step about asking God to let you see that other person, their woundedness in their own life. You know, one of the couples that came several years ago through our ministry, um, when all the stuff came out in his life, she was just really, really bitter. And then I remember the time when she came to me and she said, you know, my husband shared with me last night all the details of his sin as he brought all the things that had gone on in his life as a child, all the horrible, horrendous immoralities he did, she said, I just felt so sorry for him because I realized how sick he was, how emotionally sick he was as a young man, and I began to have compassion on him. So it really is a, an incredible step. That person that's hurt you, that person that's wounded you, you have to choose humility. You have to look at your own sin. And then you have to say, God, let me see their woundedness so that I can have compassion and humility, compassion mm-hmm. and empathy for them. Amen. And sometimes I think that can take time. Um, when you look back at your life, it was years later when you did that with your mom. And your dad. Both of them were deceased at that point, like you said. You yeah, but that's because to- I didn't have a four days to hope to go to to walk me through it. Well, that's exactly true. And that is a, a point of truth here that I want to point out. And that's why this step is so important. But for for many people, this is one of the places that they've missed, I think. And in, in they're being able to um, choose forgiveness or to um, give for true forgiveness towards someone else is they've never been able to go back. And to say, help me see from that person's perspective. Maybe that was just the best they could do at the time. Maybe they really were. Um, maybe the motives weren't, weren't what I thought they were. God, open my eyes to 
What was the right perspective here? And the point of that being, like you said, not to change someone else's behavior, but to change my heart toward them. Mm -hmm. And that's what it did for you, which was powerful. Yeah. And it also in just our relationship, Paul, when you came clean with me, these are all steps I had to walk through Mm -hmm. with you. And I had to say to the Lord, God, help me to have empathy and compassion for him. Lord, help me to see his life through his eyes. And although you had a wonderful childhood, you had great parents, amazing parents, um, the, you know, there were some real hurts and pains in your life that, that came, came through coaches. Sure. And then, you know, you were, you were molested as a little boy also when you were eight years old. And so as I began to see and look through that prism, through that, you know, um, viewpoint, viewpoint, yeah. yeah. Then all of a sudden I was able to have compassion on you to how you got to where you were. And I remember the day that I looked at you and I said, honey, I said, I can forgive you because I know you didn't get here by yourself. I know that there was an enemy that has been seeking to destroy you your whole life ever since you were a little boy. And this isn't about you trying to destroy me. This is about the enemy trying to destroy us. Right. And so... Your perspective was changing, but it didn't mean you had to release me again um, from any... Uh, consequences or the other steps that we still needed to follow through as you and I worked through that. But God was giving you a new perspective. The truth is, yeah, I didn't come into marriage saying, I can't wait to hurt you. I can't wait to deceive you. I can't, but it was a product of the choices I'd made my whole life. And now you were getting the consequences of those. So as someone's going through this, it doesn't mean again, that's why I'm going back and listen to the previous podcast are so important Um, as far as releasing consequences or um, forcing you to reconcile. But it is about getting a right perspective so that your heart can be pure towards someone else, which is is the step that you got to. So that's really, really good. So Jeannie, what's number four? What's number four on the steps to true forgiveness? Step four is break the victim mindset. You cannot forgive another person as long as you continue to live as a victim. You have to see that, yes, what was done to you was wrong. Yes, that I'm not negating that. But you were victimized at one point. But if you choose to live as a victim, you will die as a victim. This is really, really big. You know, Paul, we live in a society where I see this everywhere. Young people are a victim of their parents. You know, employees are a victim of their boss. Husbands are victims of their wives. Wives are victims of their... It goes on and on and on. We have a society of whiners, and I understand that because I was one. We want everybody to know that we are a victim. The problem with that, as I said, is that a victim never gets free. You, you live as a victim, and you'll continue to spiral as a victim for the rest of your life. And I don't want that, you know, and I know most of our listeners don't want that. They want to break through from that victim mentality. I love what Nancy Lee Moss says. You're not where you are because of your circumstances in your life. You're where you are because of the way you've chosen to respond to your circumstances. Mm. Again, that does not mean that I'm nullifying the hurt or the pain in your life. You have been hurt. We recognize that. But now what are you going to do with that? Are you going to allow that hurt to set the course of your life? Or are you going to say, no, I'm going to break free from this pain, and I'm going to allow God to set me me in a new direction? So as I go through my women's weekends, Um, This is a real big turning point because this was a turning point for me. You know, Paul, I went through years of counseling. 
years of counseling, uh, secular counseling before I was a Christian. And, you know, the counseling, I would get on this hamster wheel where I'd go over and over and over talking about being molested, talking about all the things these men had done to me, talking about my mother, talking about my father, but I never could get off of it. I just continued the same cycle on that wheel over and over and over. Then I got born again. Well, I got born again, and I still continued some of the very immoral, wrong behaviors of my past. I was born again in my spirit, no doubt about it, but I continued to struggle with falling back into the world, back into alcohol, back into immorality, and it was because of this principle of I had not broken the victim mindset. So I got saved, went, ended up going uh, to that biblical counseling school that I talked about earlier in the one of the previous podcasts. And uh, in Kona, Hawaii with YWAM. And as I was going through that, um, I I recognized this, that I had never broken the victim mindset. And it kind of came about through a roommate of mine that confronted me. Uh, I was, had somebody that was visiting from out of town and we were going to go out to dinner and we were going to go. And I was, I was not going to do well. I mean, my roommate sensed she's probably going to go out and she's probably going to drink or she's probably going to do something wrong. And so my roommate confronted me with that and said, where are you going? And so I told him where I was going. And, and she said, Jenny, you know, this is not a good situation. You know that this is not going to lead down a good road. And I got really mad at her really angry. And I said, you don't know that you don't know where I'm going at my intent or what this and this. And And so she just looked at me and she said, you know what, Jenny, I want to tell you something. You know what? This is no longer about what your father did to you, what the men that molested you did to you, what your mother did or didn't do. It's no longer about any of that. This is about you and your choices. You are making a choice to go back into bondage. Mm. You're making a choice. And so at that point, I was like, wow. You know, I got mad. I stormed out, slammed the door, uh, got on a bus, went to where I was going. But as I was going there, two words kept coming to my mind, personal responsibility. And I lacked that. Mm. I had never had personal responsibility or taken personal responsibility in my entire life. I was 24 at this time, 23, 24, and I had always lived as a victim. I loved it when I would tell my victim stories and everybody would feel sorry for me. You know, and I was continuing that hamster wheel of living as a victim. And that word personal responsibility will, is what will get you off that cycle, out of that cycle, off that wheel. When you start saying, you know what, I am not responsible for what was done to me. I can't change that. Okay. But I am responsible for how I'm choosing to respond to what was done to me. That's, that's my part. And so at that point, I really, really came to this understanding that I don't have to live as a victim. I can live victorious over it. I can live victorious over all the things that were done. I don't have to keep going back to this place of victimization. I can take personal responsibility for my, my responses. And it literally changed my life. Uh, as a matter of fact, it changed my life so much that a, a year later I was married to you. <laughs> That's right, because right. God really set me free at that time, and I could go into marriage in a healthy way, not as a victim, but as a victorious woman of God, overcoming hurts and wounds in my life, not looking at who I could blame, mm-hmm. but taking my own personal responsibility. Right, so um, 
choosing not to be a victim is is almost like choosing not to let the past or what's happened to you define you. Is that Absolutely. Right? Hmm. Well, that's good. That's a powerful, powerful um, step four. So let's um, jump right in then. What's step five to true forgiveness? Step five is seeking to bless. And, you know, that really is where the rubber meets the road. It's mm. like you can talk about the other others. You mean these others haven't been hard enough? Is well, I know. They're hard, but it's like you can talk about all those others. Mm. You can choose forgiveness. You can choose humility. You can do all those things. You can get the right perspective. You can break the victim mindset. You can do all that. But then if you're not willing to turn and bless that offender that person that's hurt you, scripture says to bless your enemies, you know, now immediately somebody's going to say, so that means I let the person who's hurt me just come hurt me again. No, no, I'm not saying that. Okay. Healthy boundaries, healthy boundaries. We preach that all through our ministry, healthy boundaries, but it's an attitude. I want to no longer trying to extract payment from that person. It's an attitude. I want to bless them. Now, it may be that this is not someone that you can physically go to, that you need to ever talk to again, or maybe it is. You know, I tell a story about a woman that came to Hope, that I have all these women that were mad at their mothers, so I'm going to tell another mother story. But this woman came, she was extremely uh, bitter towards her mother, and you know, as I listened to the stories of how her mother had mistreated her growing up, I this was not a good situation either. And so... But when we got to this part on the weekend, she kind of th- crossed her arms and sat back in her chair, pulled her feet un- up underneath her, and she said, uh, I-, I don't see this. Like, no way. I- bless my enemy. Bless my mother. I am not about to make any, you know, movement towards her. Mm. And I don't want her in my life. And so I remember challenging her on that. And, um, you know, that it doesn't mean you got to go move next door to her. It doesn't, all it means is that you got to pray and say, God, what do I need to do to bless? What are you asking me to do, God, to bless my enemies, to bless those that I've, I've been bitter towards, I've hated, I've not wanted to have anything to do with God. What do you want me to do? That's all you do is you ask God. And so anyway, I shared that with her and we went on through the weekend and, and then it was kind of interesting because I asked her, I remembered in her story that she had had a daughter uh, before her marriage out of wedlock, and uh, she never talked really a lot about that daughter, because then she got born again, she got saved, and she married another man, and then they had several children, and but she never spoke about this older daughter from before the marriage, and so one day I just asked her, I said, so what about your relationship with your older daughter? You don't talk about her much, how is that? And she looked at me, she goes, I don't have a relationship with her. She hasn't spoken to me in five years. Hmm. Wow. And I, I, I was trying not to like have this smile break out over my face because, you know, in my mind, I'm connecting all the dots. Isn't that interesting that she has not had a relationship with her oldest daughter in five years, and yet she had told us that she has no relationship with her mother, that her mother has not, not even seen her own grandchildren. Mm. She has not allowed her mother to see her children. And I think it was like eight years. And so I'm like, wow, that is amazing how this is going both ways. So I didn't break out in a huge smile. I tried to contain myself and I just looked at her and with a very, very kind, you know, um, spirit, I said, 
you know, that's interesting. I wonder if you would deal with your relationship with your mother, if then God would allow you to be able to deal with your relationship with your daughter and restore that relationship. I said, I don't know. I'm just thinking about it. So, you know, don't get mad. It's just, just a thought that maybe if you go back to your past and deal with that broken relationship, then you would be able to deal with the present broken relationship with your daughter. And so I I went on and went into the other room and I'm doing my thing with the other women. And uh, about, I don't know, an hour later, she's still sitting in that chair and you can tell she's sulking. She's got her arms crossed and all that. And all of a sudden she goes, okay, all right, all right, all right. I've thought about it. Okay. Maybe you're right. Okay. So I just been thinking about how I could bless my mother. But without creating a relationship again, without going that far, you know, but how could I just do something nice and move on? And so we said, okay, so what's the Lord told you? And she goes, I'm going to send her flowers at Easter. (laughs) And she said, but wait a minute, I'm going to, I'm not going to put my address on there. They're going to be anonymous. It's not going to have my name. It's just going to be flowers from a stranger. (laughs) So I just kind of smiled. I said, you know what? If that's what God's told you to do, then go for it. Do it. Do it anonymously, whatever God tells you to do. That's what I want you to do is what God tells you to do. So she's over there, and she gets on her computer, and she's doing all this. And then she comes back about, I don't know, 30 or 40 minutes later. She goes, doggone it. I said, what? She goes, I can't do it anonymously. God won't let me do that. i got to write my name on it. <laughs> and so she ends up showing us what she had written on the, the computer, on the card thing that you fill out, you know. And it basically said this. It said, just started with no name or anything, it said, I want you to know I've turned a corner. I'm not where I should be yet, but I'm headed in the right direction. I hope you have a blessed Easter, Tammy. Hmm. You know, I I cry because that was a step of humility. All these steps that we've talked about prior to this one, this is where the rubber was needing the road. You know, she was able to now say, okay, I'm willing to go that final, final last mile. And I'm willing to put myself out there. And I'm willing to do this thing that God's asking me to do with no strings attached. You know, I'm just letting myself get vulnerable here. And so the story that follows this, Paul, is that she sent it to her mother, the flowers to her mother. And and then we got an email back a couple months later to us, and to, it was to our whole team. And she goes, okay, shoot, now what do I do? And we're like, what? And she said, now it's Mother's Day. <laughs> and so she wanted to know what to do about Mother's Day. And so we said, well, I tell you what, do what you would want your daughter to do for you. Mm, wow, yeah. Do what you would want your daughter to do for you. And so she did that. She ended up uh, sending flowers again on Mother's Day. Now, that, that relationship was never really restored because, you know, restoration takes two people. Two people have to both want restoration. And, you know, forgiveness is one way. You choose to forgive, but both people have to want to be restored. And so the mother was not wanting that, you know. And so, but it released Tammy it released her. She got out of prison, the prison that she had been put in because of her own bitterness and her own unforgiveness. She was able to walk out of as she did this for her mother. But here's the last part of that story that's so beautiful is that 
I saw her. Tammy came back to another Four Days to Hope uh, a year ago. She wanted to come back just for a refresher and to let God take her to a deeper level. And on that weekend, I asked her, so tell me, what happened with your relationship with your daughter? And she's like, oh my gosh, I haven't shown you her pictures. I haven't told And she's like, I haven't told you. And she pulls up on her Facebook, all these pictures of her daughter. And she tells me about how God's restored the relationship and how she and her husband are now trying to help her daughter find Jesus. Mm. It was, I just sat and cried, wow. sat and cried. So amazing principle. We have to be willing to Seek to bless those who've hurt us, those who've wounded us. Wow. That is an incredible story. And I think it gives hope to all the listeners that, um, you know, as we go through these steps, Jenny, I can't think or help but think about their difficult steps. They're not easy. It's not easy to look at someone who's been wronged and said, you need to humble yourself or you need to look at your own self or get a different perspective and so forth. But you know what? We do it because we know if they will grab hold of God's grace and walk through these steps, God's mercy and love is going to be poured into their hearts and their lives going to change, just like in that story you shared. And can I share a sad story, Paul? Do we have time for that, of how it didn't work out? Uh, here in um, at one of my Four Days to Hopes, when I was doing a Four Days to Hope, I had a woman that went through the weekend, and she refused to go to that last step. I can remember the whole weekend, all she wanted to talk about was her husband and what he had done to her. And again, I am not nullifying the pain. I am not just, you know, I realized she had great pain. Okay. But in that weekend, I tried to get her, the whole team tried to get her to focus on, on herself and how she could change. You can't change the other person. You just got to accept that. You can't change the other person. You can only change yourself. And so I was trying to get her to walk through these steps, to choose humility, to look at her own 10%, you know, to, to look at all those steps that we've been going through. And she never would get there. And it was so sad, Paul. This woman's in her late 50s, early 60s. And we were sitting together the last day. And I, I asked all the women, so tell me, what has God shown you? What does he want you to do in order for you to experience bless the person who's wounded you. And, uh, when I got to her, she's like, I don't know. I don't know. And then she started rambling off about what he had done to her, you know? And, um, we, you know, this was a, a repentant, broken man. We've, we know this man, we've seen him over the years, really try to restore his marriage. Many, many times we have seen this man in a spirit of brokenness, And this woman would not let go of bitterness. She was still trying to extract payment. And so finally, the last thing she said was, well, I guess I just need to love him. I I guess that's what I just need to do is love him. And I sat, my team and I sat back and thought, wow, she has wasted this whole weekend focusing on what was done to her and never focusing on how she is choosing to respond to what was done to her. Really, really sad. Wow, that is a sad story. So, Jenny, let's just wrap up um, this session. Well, I just want to remind our listeners to go back and listen to the previous podcast and not just start on this one Mm -hmm. because we talked about bitterness. We talked about 
forgiveness, what it doesn't look like. Then we talked about what it does look like. And then today and the previous week, we talked about the steps. How do you actually take steps to forgive? Mm -hmm. And so I want to encourage them to go back. I also want to encourage our listeners about our four days to hope that I do intensives for women. I only take 10 women. And so those fill up really quick. They're up in Blue Ridge, Georgia, in a beautiful cabin up there called Masterpiece. Beautiful area to get away, to seek the Lord, and to be able to walk through all these things with me and my team, us helping you walk through the hurts and pains in your life so that you can respond in a healthy way to what was done to you. Mm -hmm. And then, Paul, your four days to freedom. Yeah, obviously uh, for my men, and um, I try to keep that as a small group also, and it's a powerful time of men, not just looking at... um, how to break destructive habits that have come into their lives, but also how to walk through the pain um, of their past in order to clear up um, some of the mess that they've made and maybe in their own relationships and be able to find freedom uh, from the things that keep um, them bound and have had them bound throughout their life. And, um, and it's a, a powerful time. Yeah, and we also want to remind our listeners that we do phone coaching um, that is something that you can go to our website. Paul and I have several couples that we're working in right now, walking them through crisis in their marriage by phone. Um, obviously, our Four Days to Hope, Four Days to Freedom, our marriage intensive, and then our singles ministry that we do, which is called Wit Alive in the summer. Those are all really impactful weekends that we encourage you to check out on our website. So thank you for listening to us, and we're just very excited about helping you be able to walk through these hurts and pains in your life and come to a resolution where you can become a whole and healthy person, no longer allowing the pains of your past to set the course for your future. Mm, That is incredible. And I am so grateful, Jenny, to be able to do these last few podcasts with you, starting with the bitterness, the forgiveness now, and now the steps, because uh, these are life-changing tools. And I really appreciate you being willing to share and um, us being able to do this together. So let's just recap these five that we've gone over over the last two podcasts, five steps to true forgiveness. The first one, we talked about choosing humility. Second one, was stopping and looking at your own sin, asking God to open your eyes to yourself. The third one is getting the right perspective. And again, that comes by God enlightening us, not just you imagining what you think is right, but stopping and asking God to give you the right perspective towards that other person that has hurt you. The fourth one there um, is to break the victim mindset. In other words, you've got to not be a victim not let the past define you and be able to move forward by breaking that victim mindset. And then the last one, powerful one, is seeking to bless those that have hurt you. Really, really good stuff, Jenny. So I want to thank you again for doing this um, with us. So um, if you've got other questions, though, and you want to know more about Whatever It Takes Ministries or how we can help you, please contact us through our website or you can call us at 336-310-5050. And again, as always, we encourage you to like us on Facebook, um, iTunes, anywhere you're listening to us. We encourage you to share these with your friends. Get the word out. Get the message out so that others can um, understand true forgiveness. So thank you for joining with us today. And until next time, remember, your life can be different if you're willing to do whatever it takes. Whatever it takes.